Hello. Welcome to Truth to Hear, your diving deeper Bible study into the book of Revelation. But before I begin the study today, in light of what's going on in the Capitol and around our country, I urge you more now than ever to put on the full armor of God, to be prepared in this spiritual realm, to know who God is so that you know who you can trust. He's the same yesterday, today, and will be forever. And nothing that is going on around us is surprising to him. Oh, it's surprising to us. I can tell you, I was shocked and speechless, which is something hard for me to get. But then I remembered God was not surprised. And I can still trust him, though it looks chaotic and is chaotic all around. There is a peace, a gentle peace, that as we seek God, he will order our steps. He will guide us what to do and what to say, how to react. He will order our steps even through this time of our country's division and turmoil. So let's dive right in to our Bible study. We are talking about the revelation and the seven churches as found in the book of Revelation, chapters one through four. This is a revelation that Jesus, through an angel, gave to John to give to the seven churches. So last week we looked at the church of Ephesus and what Jesus presented himself as in, in the Four, five things that we look at that Jesus tells every church, which is the commendation, reproof. Let me show you what I'm talking about right here. The commendation, reproof, instruction, warnings, and overcomer blessings. These are the five things that Jesus gives a revelation to of each of these churches. So last week we looked at Ephesus. Oh, wrong one. Last week we looked at Ephesus, and this week we will look at Smyrna. So Ephesus was commended for their perseverance. They did not endure evil men. They were like, look, you're evil. We're not putting up with it. Even their apostles, the church of Ephesus, challenged them and, and, and tested the spirit of them. So not everyone can talk to them and say, hey, Oh my goodness, you claim to be an apostle of the Lord Jesus? Well, we're just going to take you at your word. No, the church of Ephesus challenged and, and lined it up according to the word of God that they knew, to what they understood that Jesus stood for. So Jesus commended them for that. He also commended that they did not grow weary of their trials. They did not grow weary of enduring for the sake of Jesus Christ and the gospel of Christ. And that is something to be said. But what he had against them was that they left their first love. They knew where they came from. They knew what it took to be a follower of Christ, but they left that first love, the things that actually could continue to cause them to endure and to continue to cause them to persevere. So Jesus said to them, 
here's what I want you to do. Here's your instruction. Remember where you have fallen. Now, we might say we, we haven't fallen, but to the church of Ephesus, Jesus knows, and he knew that they had fallen. Now, some of us can reflect and say, you know what? I used to read the Bible. Now I don't. That's the area that you have fallen. I used to pray, but now I don't. That's the area that you have fallen. I used to go to church, but you know what? Something happened in that church, so I just got rid of all churches. That is an area that you have fallen. So Jesus says to the church of Ephesus, know where you have fallen and repent of it. Repent of it. Pick it back up. You know, acknowledge that you've fallen. Ask forgiveness for that and pick it back up. Return to your first love. And the warning of that is that if you don't, well, you're going to become irrelevant. You're not going to be a cause for the kingdom any longer. Your purpose will be removed from you. Now, I don't know about you. We're living on this earth, and as hard as it is, and as hard as it's getting more and more, and I don't want to live on this earth for no other reason than because I am a vessel for the kingdom of God. And if that is removed from me, then all this is just so I can gain my materialistic things and, and endure for what purpose? I, I, I don't know about you, but I don't want that to be my warning. So for those who listen to the warning of Ephesus, the promise, the blessing to overcome, if we repent and return to our first love, the, the blessing is that we will eat of the tree of life and that we will go to the paradise of God. Now that's a blessing that I want to receive. So that was Ephesus. We, we, we went over a lot of detail last week about that. I encourage you, if you've missed the first couple of sessions, you know, over your, your, your time over the next course of the week, um, by all means, go ahead and study that. Go back and look at the videos and catch up if you need to. If not, just pick up today and join us with the second church, which is going to be the Church of Smyrna. Okay, so Church of Smyrna. What do we know about Smyrna? Well, if you were like me before the study, I knew absolutely nothing about Smyrna except for there was this um, TV show back, I guess, in the 90s, maybe. Um, that uh, it's called In the Heat of the Night. And on that TV show, there it was in Smyrna, Georgia. So the only thing I knew about Smyrna was that there was a city in Georgia named Smyrna, Georgia. And it was on a TV show that I used to watch a long time ago. But that's not the Smyrna we're talking about. <laughs> but we are talking about this Smyrna today. Let's look at a map. Today, Smyrna is in Turkey. It's called Izmar, Turkey today. But here is where Smyrna was um, back in the day. And you can see it's surrounded by some of the other churches. Um, it's surrounded by Ephesus and Sardis. And so we're going to learn about what Jesus had to reveal to those churches as well. 
Um, but let's look at another map. And we can see here in Turkey, um, let's see, this is where Ephesus is, and here's Izmar. That is today, that is where Smyrna is. It's now called Izmar in Turkey. So Ephesus is here, and Smyrna or Izmar is right next to that. So these churches were kind of close together. So that tells us, and then you have Pergamum. That's the church we're going to look at next week. You got Laodicea over here. And so a lot of these churches that we're going to talk about was in the same general area. And so they were probably experienced some of the same cultural, some of the same political um, issues, some of the same stressors of life. So as you know, you and I, we might not live in the same place, but we're experiencing some of the same um, problems in this country or around the world. And so we can see how the words might be different based on how the church is. So we know that Ephesus was a church that that um, originally had the first love, but what, what does it say about Smyrna? Well, we have to understand where Smyrna comes from. Um, Smyrna was known for import. Um, and they had good ports. So they they were able to bring in goods into, into Smyrna. And they were high. And so they had a good defense system and positioning. And that caused them to rise in prominence. Okay. So they, they were a very prominent place in Smyrna. Um, they battled under Alexander the Great. They battled Ephesus and Pergamum so that they can become the first city of Asia. They wanted that title. And so they battled Ephesus and Pergamum. So even though Jesus talking to all these churches, they weren't like, hey, fellowship with me. They were in battle for being prominent in that area. Now, Smyrna was wealthy because of its position and because of its ports. And that's why you'll see a lot of um, the biblical cities got America named cities after those, after the wealth of that. Now, just because Smyrna in Turkey was wealthy, does that mean Smyrna in America is going to be wealthy? Um, that was a, the mindset, according to some of the research I've done, is that cities are named because they want the wealth or the notoriety or the prominence that the city that they were known for. I don't know if it works that way, but I know like if you're talking about names, have you ever noticed people with the same name typically, you know, resemble each other in, in a lot of ways? Um, so I can understand where they came up with that concept, but I don't know that it, it works that way at all, at all. So where in scripture are we going to read from today? We're going to read from um, Revelation 2.8. So let's get right into the scripture. Oh, let me show you what Smyrna looked like because it's really beautiful now. Look at that. That's Smyrna or Ismar, Turkey today. All right. It's it's a well-built city. Like we said, it's prominent. It's wealthy. Um, it's got a place of defense. You can see here where the, the ocean is there. And so you have ports that were able to bring imports and export out. Um, and look at this night picture. Oh my goodness, it's beautiful. It's, it's really, really, really beautiful. And um, so 
Let's look at the church. What does the Bible say about Smyrna? Let's look at Revelation 2, 8 to 11. It says, to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, these are the words of him who is the first and the last, who died and came to life again. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. I know about the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you life as your victor's crown. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who is victorious will not be hurt at all by the second death. Oh, my goodness. Do we just love that? Do we just love that promise? We can't skip straight to the promise, though. Um, we we, we got to go to the actual beginning and see. So how is Jesus presenting himself? Well, he's presenting himself, as it says here, the first and last who was dead and has come to life. He's saying, look, I, I am the one who holds all the power, all the keys. I am the first and the last. I have overcome everything. So here's my authority to say this to you. Now, why is Jesus going with that authority to them? Because he's telling them something they don't want to hear. And he's also going to tell them, hey, I got you. I got you. You, you ever have someone come up and tell you bad news? Oh, man, you're going to have to do this and that in order to, to do this or that. You know, you're going to have to sell everything you own in order to come out of debt. Well, you don't want to hear that. You don't want to hear that you want someone to help you to come up with answers. You don't want to hear, well, you have to sacrifice in order to get the result you want. But that's what Jesus did here. The revelation is saying, hey, I'm about to tell you some hardships, but at the end, it's going to be all right. So do you want to hear that from someone without authority? I don't. Do you want to hear that from someone without the power to fulfill the promise at the end? Well, I don't. And feel free to chat if you have questions or anything. I, this is live, so feel free to chat. Um, I want to know that the person who's telling me to endure hardship has the power to bring me out of that hardship. And that's why Jesus presents himself to the church of Smyrna as the first and the last, the one who died yet has risen. Because he's saying, look, I know I'm about to tell you a hard word, one that's not comfortable to hear, but I'm also telling you that I am the only one that has the power to see you through this. I'm the only one who can promise that at the end of this, it's gonna be all right. You hang your hat on it. So what is he saying to him? Um, he's saying that, one, he knows the tribulation. He absolutely knows what we're going through. We might think that no one sees us, but God is the God who sees us. He knows the struggles we're experiencing today. He knows the, the tribulation, the hardships that we are all under, even the extraordinary ones. He understands that. He understands that there's people that's going to come beside us. And guess what? They're, 
They're going to say, hey, I'm sent by God. Hey, I'm here to help you. Hey, you can trust me, but they're going to hurt us instead. He understands that that's the world that we live in. See, Jesus wasn't just the son of God who came down and stayed holy. He, he saw, he experienced what we experience. He put on flesh to do that. And so when he says, you know what, I know what you're going to go through, and I know that people are deceiving you. Let me tell you, they don't win. Unless we give in to the deception, unless we stop seeking God, unless we stop listening to the way of the Lord, the enemy doesn't win. The deceiver doesn't get to win. What else is he telling us here? He's telling us that even though life is difficult, even though it's getting difficult and it's going to get harder, we're going to suffer. He tells us not to fear. How do you not fear when things are getting bad, when you don't know where the next meal is or your next paycheck or how to pay your rent or you're sick and you don't have answers. Your loved ones need help and you can't help them. How, how do we suffer without fear? And that's what he's telling us to do. And he also warns them, guess, guess what's about to happen? You're about to go to prison. Some of you guys are going to go to prison. So he doesn't mince the words. I love that because because the reality is when you serve Christ, serve God, this world comes against you. Uh, there are some things that happen. You just got to roll your eyes and say, what in the world? We think we're supposed to be protected, but it's not so. We are protected in the spiritual realm. We are protected by the blood of Jesus and the word of God. However, we're allowed to go through things for the cause of Christ. Sometimes we understand why, and sometimes it's always a mystery because maybe we just don't need the answers. But God is working in and through us. Even if we don't understand why this trial we have to go through. So my question is, how are we going through it? Are we going through it with fear or do we know the Lord enough that his promises to get us through it and be okay on the other side, that we can trust that enough to say, okay, God, though I'm hurting, I'm going to see it through because I can trust the one who is telling me to go through it. But also I love here in uh, verse, what is it? 10, where he says, the tribulation is going to be for 10 days, for 10 days. There's a time limit. God's not going to let the enemy mess you over for your whole entire life. There's time limits. Things don't last forever. I was talking to someone a couple of weeks ago and said, you know what? I know this season, but it's a season. There are seasons for everything. And 10 days well, it seems like a short time. It's a week and a half, right? Something like that. But when you're in the midst of persecution, of worry, of sickness, of the unknown, 10 days can seem like a long time. It so can. 
But the fact that there is just 10 days. So for those of you listening that think there's no end and you got to be desperate, let your desperation lead you to the promise of Jesus that there is an end to the suffering. There is a limited amount of time that it can occur. And the end will become a reality. But we want to do what? Because here's here's the warning. That bad things are going to happen. But if you do it with Jesus in the word, in prayer, in supplication, in, in, in getting right counsel. If we do it according to the word of God, I mean, do it go through hard times according to the word of God. We will come out. We'll come out with blessings. I'm not saying we're not going to come out with pain. Oh, my goodness. Some things, consequences are long lasting. Some things happen in we can't undo it, but somehow we get peace. Somehow Jesus is able to be our comforter. And somehow, though we lose everything, Jesus has a way to make us content in that. So it's not saying everything's going to come out honky-dory. Oh, my gosh, no. Let me tell you, if every time I went through a hard time, the end result was I got what I wanted on this earth, and I got honky-dory, and I got... Woohoo! And I got all that. I, man, I wouldn't ever mind going through stuff. It wouldn't be hard to go through stuff. But the promises that God gives us is worth more than that. It's it's peace. It's contentment. It's wisdom. It's knowledge. Sometimes it's provision. Sometimes it's it's you actually get back what was stolen from you, but not always. But you get more. You get more. And what he promises the Church of Smyrna is this. He promises that we get a crown of life. You know, just like the church of Ephesus, you know, that was promised to live in paradise with God. Here we get the church of Smyrna that promises that we have the crown of life, that not only that, we shall not be hurt by the second death. Now, some might say, well, how can you die twice? Well, because you have death and you have judgment. We shall not be hurt by that. See, the one thing that is is key is in verse 11 where he says, he who has ear, an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says. We have to be willing to hear what the Spirit of God is saying and not just the interpretation of our own logic, our own meaning. Because Smyrna was called the persecuted church. Many of us feel that way today or have walked a walk that you can say, man, my life has been hard. It's been persecuted. But I'm going to tell you what, Jesus is right there in it. Jesus didn't tell the church of Smyrna, hey, you're going to be persecuted. I'm not going to be there for you. He's, he's saying, I'm going to be right there with you, and I'm going to bring you out. If only we can hold on. Jesus says, it's just going to last 10 days. 
Now for us, that 10 days, that number doesn't really mean or pertain to us, but it's, it's only going to last for a bit. Now, my longest struggle in my life has been 10 years struggling with um, health issues, struggling with um, not being able to have children and all that that encompasses. And those 10 years were anguished. But they were also the 10 years that I was able to see God, my father, love me, move on my behalf. I was able to see the word comfort me, challenge me, <laughs> to get off my pity party, to see things in a new way, to not rely on what I thought was right, but what the Bible said, and to trust the one who was saying it. Can you trust, can you honestly say you trust God? with everything, because that's what it takes. And let me tell you what I love about my relationship with the Lord is that we can be honest with him. We can literally say, no, I don't trust you, God. I want to, I understand that it's it, people are telling me I can trust you. I understand your word says I can trust you, but right now in my life, I feel like you have abandoned me. I feel like like you don't see me, like, like I'm nobody to you because it's going so bad. You can actually say that and he will receive it. He will hear you and he will answer you. But what we, we tend to do is we, we tend to just say, nope, God's not around. He's not in it. And I don't want to hear anything from him because he allowed this bad thing to happen. We tend to be of Job instead of Job. So I urge you today to look at yourself and say, are you the persecuted church? Is that where you find yourself today? One who is just looking around you and seeing that you are being attacked left and right. You can't even hold your head up because you feel like you're drowning on all sides. Everything is caving in. Well, first we always have to look at ourselves. Lord, search me. See if there's anything unclean about me or my lifestyle and purify me, show me and purify me. We have to first go to a place of repentance and say, if it is me, show me where I am wrong. Show me where I have opened the door to where the enemy can attack my life. But see, according to the, the Bible here, the church of Smyrna, it didn't have fault. Let me tell you something. Not everything that happens that's bad is because you did something wrong. If you are sick, it's not always because you have sinned. If you are having financial problems, it's not because you've been irresponsible. Sometimes bad things are able to happen to God's people because he's trying to do something through and in that situation to affect you or to affect others. 
So we can't always say, hey, you know what? Oh, something bad happened to that person. Well, it's their fault. No, this, this church, Smyrna, did not do it on their own fault. We saw in the church of Ephesus here where the reproof was that they left their first love. The fault of the church of Ephesus that Jesus came to reveal himself was that you left your first love. Come back to your first love. But in Smyrna, we don't, we don't see a reproof. Let me tell you what it goes to. It goes for the commendation that, that Jesus knew their tribulation, that though they were in poverty, they were yet rich. That's the commendation, all right, that Jesus knew the tribulation. He knew what they were going through. He knew how hard it was. He knew that everything had been taken away from them, and they were now impoverished. Yet they were rich because of the way they were walking in the Lord. Sickness, disease, poverty, all of this stuff, persecution. And I, I use that word persecution, but let's just say people are against you. All right. People are against you. They don't like you and you don't even know why. They don't like you because you stand up for what you believe is right. You stand up for the the, the biblical truths in your life. He says, guess what? You are rich in spite of it all. We are wealthy because we have the king of kings on our side. We are wealthy because though we should be crying and, and fearful, we are having joy and we are trusting the one who has the power the first and the last, the one who died and yet has risen. That's where we're putting our trust and it changes everything. So that's, that's what Jesus said was going on for Smyrna. And guess what he said was wrong with Smyrna? Absolutely nothing. Nada. Yet. Nada. There was no reproof for the church of Smyrna. They were just being persecuted for the cause of Christ. So if you have searched yourself, if you have gone to the throne and said, Lord, search me, show me where I am wrong. Show me where I have opened the door to the enemy. And there is no answer. It's not because Jesus doesn't want to show you. It's not because the Holy Spirit is being silenced. But maybe it's because there is no reproof. Maybe you're actually doing life a little bit right. Relying on him, repenting, seeking him first. And these attacks that you're going through, this stuff that you're worried about and that's got you feeling like you're beat up every morning you wake up, maybe it's not because you're wrong. Maybe it's because you're right. And God has chosen to use you. Hmm. That's, that's something to, to sit on for a minute. Well, what instruction did Jesus give him? He said, do not fear what you are about to suffer. Be faithful unto death. Let me tell you, I don't know anyone who wants that instruction. See, that's why he had to tell you his authority, because he's saying, for some, you're not going to come out of this alive. For some, it's not going to change for the good that you want on this earth. 
some things is going to remain for a, until you go home and be with the Lord. Now, that's a hard word to receive. You're doing everything right. I'm proud of you. You even learn how to be content when everything's been taken away. I have no fault with you, but what's about to happen to you may just bring you home. Wow. That's when you have to ask yourself, am I willing to be a vessel of the Lord? Excuse me. Am I willing to be used and poured out for others, even unto my own death? Because the warning that came after that was this. The devil's about to cast some of you into prison that you may be tested. And it will last 10 days. Now, some of you might hear that and say, so why serve a God that says you're doing everything right? I have nothing against you, but I'm going to allow you to be tested. Like he's just playing with us, but that's not it. See, the test that the persecuted church went through bears witness to the truth of the gospel. We are called to bear witness at all costs, even in our hardships. People are watching how we're going through. Even in our sadness, people are watching how we mourn. And God knows who he can trust with the assignment of hardship, persecution, loss. It's not a popularity contest. Nobody really wants this job, but it comes to us. As we walk with Christ, as we seek God first, we become fortified in the word of God. We become foundational convicted in the word that we stand firm and no matter what comes against us, we're going to give God the glory. That is the hope for all of us. Before the church of Smyrna, they received that. They, they were able to accomplish that. See, it's not a punishment or a game to say you're going to be put in prison and tested. It is a privilege to be used for the glory of God. It is a privilege and honor for one to be able to go through hardships and devastation and come out okay and be a witness, a testimony of what the word of God can do in and through you, what your Lord and Savior did was become all the authority over everything that comes into your life. If we can look at hardships like that, then we'll, we'll be all right on the other end, regardless of the changes it has in our lives. Whether it changes us 
and we have to accept loss or it changes us and we get blessed immensely in materialistic ways. It still all goes to the glory of God. Here's the blessing. Let me show you once again the blessing. You get the crown of life. And put on spiritual ears to hear this. You shall not be hurt by the second death. You shall not be hurt. So although some, some people in Christ will die with their afflictions, it's going to be okay for them because they will be in glory with God. Are we willing to make that kind of sacrifice? Are we willing to have God show us that our days ahead might be really difficult and still praise him, still pray to him, still agree with living according to his word. Because if we're just here for the attaboys and we're just here for the protection and the provision and the good things that we gain from our relationship with Jesus, then we are missing the boat. Because though salvation was free and is free, We are to live for the purpose that we were created. And when we miss that, we've missed a lot. We could have a really good time on this earth as humans. We could gain a lot of money, power, materialistic things, a house, car, relationships. But if we don't fulfill the purpose we have, that which we were created for, while we've lost the rewards and the reward is not something we can hold. It's not tangible. It is, it's living in paradise with God. It is having a crown. It is allowing the God who created us to receive us. It is bringing others to the faith, living a life to show them that, hey, only God, only God got me through this. Do you recognize excuse me, yourself in the church of Smyrna? Did you recognize yourself in the church of Ephesus last week? And then maybe church of Smyrna this week? See, sometimes we're going to be seeing ourselves in a little bit of every one of these churches. And that's okay. Some of us might just see ourselves in one church and say, well, that's it. That's my life. I heed you to listen to the warnings and instructions and start applying them. Start applying them. And if you don't know how, like the first one, Ephesus instruction was what? excuse me, to go back to your first love. Start reading, praying, worshiping, going to church. Start having a relationship with God. This week, the instruction is don't fear. Don't fear. Be faithful. Now, you might say, I don't know how to do that. Okay. 
then go to God and tell him, I don't know how to do that. Go to prayer. Say, you know what? In the name of Jesus, I don't know how not to be afraid of my circumstances. I don't know how to be faithful in this. He'll give you an answer. He'll hear you, even if you don't hear it right away. Just stay there. Don't make any changes. Wait on God to answer you, to lead you. Seek him first every single day. Bring everything that concerns you to the foot of the throne of God so that you can receive an answer. Let those who hear have ears hear. I pray that God gives you eyes to see this week and ears to hear him, his word, his truth. I pray that you don't follow the crowd, that you are steadfast in your faith, that you are unwavering in your convictions. I pray that you spend more time in the word than in the news, that you built up a fortress around you of confessions and promises of God. May your relationship with him be increased this week. Next week, we're going to look at the church of Pergamum. Um, I will tell you what, the church of Pergamum is the church of compromisers, a little footnote. So we're going to look at the church of compromise next week. Listen, I tell you what, this isn't an easy study because we have to keep reflecting, letting the word reflect and let us see who we really are. But it is so worth it if you stick with me, go through this study. You're going to be so much more fortified. You're going to be stronger. You're going to have courage. You're going to have stronger faith. You're going to know who you are and know who God is for you. So until next week, look forward to uh, seeing you on your daily dose. And here we are. Um, let's see, tomorrow we have a weekly message. It's just to encourage, and I believe it's going to change in light of all that is going on, so I don't have a title for you today. And then Monday, this week with Tooth to Hear, Tuesday, Bill and Brandy will catch up on what is current in the news. And then Wednesday, I have a great conversation with my friend, Jeanette Branca. She's an amazing woman of God and, and what she has experienced in faith and, and um, we'll be talking then. And then again, next Thursday here on Dive Deeper, we're going to talk about the Church of Pergamum. Stay safe. Stay close to God. In Jesus' name. <laughs>